One of my collectors is Kenya Barris. He's the director of the movie. He wrote and directed a whole bunch of other movies, but more familiar to everybody would probably be the show Blackish, Bronish. Yep. Um, that was on ABC. I think ABC. I think it was on. I'm not sure, but he became a collector of mine like around like 2018, and me and him became like like super cool, good friends, right? So he gave me the opportunity to be a part of the movie. So my art's in the movie. You're listening to Lights Camera Crypto, the podcast exploring all things entertainment and Web three. I'm your host Stephen Ladin, and this week our guest is Raheem King Saladin. King is a Philadelphia native best known for his Money Bear works. And in this episode, he takes us through his artistic journey from selling Bart Simpson art to his friends, to selling t-shirts, to creating on canvas, all the way up through Web3. All the while, his success is predicated on a deep faith and a belief in himself. King, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. This is very, very cool. I'm glad to be here, man. Awesome. Well, pleasure to have you and uh, really excited to learn more about your story and and your art and everything uh, that encompasses both of those things. Um, I think just to start, you know, I know you grew up uh, in Philadelphia. What was what was your introduction just in general to to art itself? Um, I figured my introduction to art was literally um, like graffiti. So, you know, it was so much graffiti in the area. And me as a young kid, I used to travel to the other side of Philadelphia where more Spanish people would live at. That's where like the best graffiti was. That was like, uh, that would be like the North Philly area. I'm from West Philadelphia. So that would be like the North Philly area where it was just like the best graffiti, like the best big walls. It was just crazy. So I just remember myself like very, very young, probably like just taking a train back and forth just to check out all these different walls. Um, also, my uncle was an artist. Um, he toured for Compton State. That's like a college in um, in Baltimore, Maryland. And he was always in the art. My grandfather was in the art, but nobody ever like really took it to the level of like, you know, like living off of their craft. So it's always been sure. around me, but it was never really a direction for me because nobody really took it to that level where they were making money off of it. So um, my big thing was basketball when I was smaller, you know, when I was a young kid. But I always had a love for art and I always had like some type of outlet to create. And I always could make like an extra $50 or $100 doing somebody's like jacket, somebody's skates or like creating t-shirts. So um, it's always been something that's been around, but it took later on in my life for me to like really like walk, go forward with it. Got you, got you. So, but it sounds like then, early on, there there was sort of a little bit of an entrepreneurial vibe with your art in the sense of if you're making jackets, you're making shirts, people are paying you, you know, an extra fifty. So it was perhaps even though you didn't, as you said, you, you your your family was uh, into art, respectively, perhaps not as a full blown career, but it sounds like you kind of right. had that early inclination that hey, people want what you're putting out there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was always it was always something because a lot of my friends, they were always like want something like specially made. You know what I mean? And then I used to do this stuff to my stuff and go to school. So they'd be like, well, where'd you get that? And I'm like, well, I, I did it. And they're like, can you do mine? So it was always something like me creating for myself and then other people seeing it and kind of wanting it. You know what I mean? And the entrepreneurial side was like, you know, I grew up in the inner city, so I didn't have much money. So I was always like, yo, I need $20 for this. So I need $30 for this. And things like that. So um, I was always in my mind, like trying to figure out how to make an extra buck. You know what I mean? Got you. Got you. And and when you say you were creating for yourself and then other people, you know, were, were uh, buying that, was it, were they coming to you then with custom designs or, or ideas? And then you were just riffing on what they were asking you for? Or were they just like, hey, man, I, I want this tea. And then, you know, you had free reign to create whatever it was. Well, the big thing when I was younger was like Bart Simpson and the Simpsons, right? So I would always sure. do like these cool, these cool Bart Simpsons. And then they would like, you'll put my name over top of it or put where I'm from. I'm from 60th Street and put 60th Street or Little Mike Mike or something like that. And it was like, that was like the easiest thing ever because it was literally, they, they were going off of what I did. And I would always put Heem, like Raheem, but I would put mm. Heem, H-E-E-M. And I would just put like something cool with Bart Simpson with like a different type t-shirt, some Nikes on. Just something cool, you know what I mean? Just because 
like skating was a big thing back when I was when I was younger. So we would always meet at the skating ring. It was always like cool parties and stuff like that. So I would always have something fresh for me and they would feel left out because they would just have some regular like polo or Nike on. And I would be like dripped out with like custom my stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> got you. Got you. So it was almost like you were starting a trend within your own lane, so to speak. I guess so. I just wanted to be different. I just wanted to have something on different and um, we didn't have a lot of money. So it was not like I could get like the best polo stuff or the best like Tommy Hilfiger all the time. So I would try to make my own stuff pretty much. Awesome. So Bart, Bart Simpson, the Simpsons were, were an early inspiration. Was there anything else that was really furthering or, or, or motivating you or pushing you creatively? Um. I was like one of those Saturday morning cartoon kids. So it was like everything from like the Jetsons to like the Flintstones, bro. Like everything. Like it was like, I think when I grew up, it was like the, one of the most artistic times. Like now it is too, because you know, you got YouTube and you got all these different Pixar movies and stuff like that. But I think like the original like art and it was like, it wasn't too serious. It was like just fun kid stuff. You know what I mean? So I just say mm-hmm. like Saturday Saturday morning cartoons, um, graffiti in my area, and Philadelphia is actually known for one of being one of the biggest mural cities too. So it was always mm-hmm. a mural somewhere in somebody's different neighborhood that I would go to play basketball. So it was just like all over, just hitting me, honestly. Right, which is really cool. So essentially, you've got artists in your family. You you you're following your your interest in basketball, and yet all throughout. Uh, your your kind of day to day, you're seeing art throughout the city. You've got friends and 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 you know other students coming up, being like, "Hey, I want some of your art from you know to I, I want to get swagged out." As you said, it's like you wanna. They wanted to be a part of it. So, was there a moment or an experience along that trajectory where you started to think like, "Hey, man, maybe I can actually pursue this full time and have that be something." Um, I. N- like literally it was like probably the summer of like 2000 and I'm going to say two, 2002. So I started like a, a t-shirt company, right? So this is in, a, in the midst of me, like going to school. I went to college for basketball. I went to school in Kansas and me back and forth on college break, you know, I needed money, you know what I mean? And I needed money throughout the year as well. So um, I started like my own t-shirt company. Um, not really a t-shirt company, but it was like my t-shirt hustle. I was selling out of my trunk. Um, I got my mom's living room. I destroyed my mom's living room with paint. Uh, (laughs) it it was just crazy. I just remember around that time, um, I was just like doing so many t-shirts and I literally was making some good money. I was making probably a few thousand dollars a week, like selling these t-shirts. I remember I was selling them for $40, $45 to $50, depending on the design, depending on the size shirt you need. I had a lot of fatter, bigger friends. So they were like 4X t-shirts. And back then, big t-shirts were really in. Like I was probably like a large, but I wore like a 2, 3X just because that was the style back then, right? So 2X and up was like a certain price. 2X and down was a certain price. If you wanted something on the back of the t-shirt, that was a different price. I had the whole thing situated, right? And um, I just remember that, that being like in between me coming home from college break and going back to college break. And me making like enough money to like literally not have to really take a Pell Grant out. And I started thinking to myself, like, damn, like everybody, that's when I really started thinking like everybody's 6'3", everybody can shoot, everybody can jump. Like maybe I should try to do my art because this is the only thing that I've ever seen some type of success like this. Like basketball is like a good success because I got, I got actually got to get outside of my element. I was playing AAU basketball for a long time. So as a young kid, seventh grade, eighth grade, I was going to like Florida, Maryland, California, things like that to play basketball. So that was a success as well because I got to see more than my environment at a young age. But I've never had the, I've never felt like a like an entrepreneur before. You know what I mean? I didn't even know what an entrepreneur mm-hmm. was then. To make a long story short, now um, I just was selling t-shirts out of my trunk all over the city because playing basketball, I knew everybody in the city from North Philly to South Philly to Germantown, to like every part of the city, I had a friend that played basketball. So I would literally go through them to sell my t-shirts and they had friends all over. And once somebody seen their t-shirt, it was like, yo, hey, how much you going to get? 
how much would you charge me if I got 10 t-shirts from you? You know what I mean? So then I started learning how to like, just like work as a business somewhat. You know what I mean? I had, I had to think about how much money I was putting into my paint, how much the t-shirts cost. I had to go get the t-shirts from a certain spot. And then it was just like, it was just like me really feeling good about being in charge of something and controlling my gift a little bit. So I think around that time, 2002, when I started selling t-shirts, that was the time that I was like, I think I can really do this. Amazing. And so through the t-shirts, what was sort of the next gear shift? If you realize, okay, hey, this is something you're going to, you think you can have, you know, full-time success in, what was, what was the next step? So the next step was me traveling, selling the t-shirts. So a lot of my friends used to like to go to Miami for all kinds of stuff. And at the time, I really didn't have the money to go with them. You know what I mean? Because a lot of my friends back then, they were like into, into the streets and things like that. So they were making fast money, you know, and that was one of my biggest customers as well, because they had fast money. So it was like, it wasn't a good thing, but I seen the way I could operate and what they were doing and not have to do anything that would have land me in jail. You know what I mean? Or land right, or, right. or it got me killed. So um, I remember one summer, I think it was 2004, I went to Miami with a bunch of my friends. I saved up enough money to go with them, right? And of course, they had a bunch of t-shirts. They wanted everything to match their sneakers. And I remember taking two suitcases just full of t-shirts, every size, like probably three of every size, and just getting written a scooter on South Beach and running around, riding around with a book bag on just pretty much everybody that I seen that had something like a cool pair of sneakers on that they didn't have a shirt to match it. I would be like, yo, listen, no disrespect, but that shirt does not match those shoes. I got something that'll match perfect. <laughs> And it and it was perfect at the time because nobody felt like I was trying to like disrespect them or something. It was more like, well, what you got? Let me see. And I remember selling right. like two suitcases full of t-shirts while I was in Miami. And I, I don't remember how much money I made, but I went back very, very happy. Right. And around yeah. that time, it was, it was a hand painted t-shirt company from Philadelphia named Mesquite Originals. So they were in Miami. They were like very big. They were like big, big, right? Puff Daddy was wearing all their stuff. Um, LeBron James, uh, Jay-Z, everybody was wearing this stuff. It was like a cultural like thing, right? So, mm -hmm. and that's where I got the inspiration to really start my t-shirts as well. So I, I ran into those guys in Miami and they asked me that I want a job to work with them. So the next step was me working for a real big company that was doing what I was doing, but on another level, a, a whole nother level. Right. So I got to see how they were operating. And um, I got to do, I was doing my t-shirts and working pretty much like a creative nine to five. So it was like, that wow. was the next level. Yeah, that was the next level. And that was like really cool. So I worked with them through like 2004 to maybe like 2006-ish. And around that time, no, about 2003 to, I, I get funny with the times, but I worked <laughs> with them for about two to three years. And I was making, I remember like $1,500 a week with them and I was still doing my own stuff. So I literally left college. Like a lot, I, I don't talk to a lot of people about um, how all of this started, but I left college on a scholarship to pursue painting t-shirts, trying to figure it out what my space was in this world to be creative because it was just so many signs that was just like, okay, basketball, it wasn't as fun anymore. Um, it was a lot of politics when you get to college. Um, I kept hurting my ankles. I was going to class with crutches. It was just so many signs that was just like, maybe try this, maybe try this. You know what I mean? And I didn't sure. figure, I didn't think sure. I, I didn't think I was going to the NBA. Um, I was a very, very good basketball player, but, um, you know, that's like one in five, five billion that make it to the NBA. You know what I mean? Out of everybody that plays basketball growing up. So, um, this was one thing that I just like felt like maybe I could make it. I've never made any money doing much of anything else, you know what I mean? So, um, and having fun at it and kind of controlling my own destiny and time. So that felt like it was just perfect. So that was the next level. Um, me taking what I was doing on the road, running into the right people, and then actually getting a job and being able to do my own thing as well. So it was, it was a really good time. Yeah. And, and, and what I love about that too is it was sort of like the moment of preparation meets opportunity. Like they, you had the product, you had the 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 art on the mm -hmm. shirts, and they. It, it sounds like uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. They saw the shirts, they liked what they saw. That was your art. I mean, yeah. hey, you want a job based on based on what you had created, not 
you know, you're, the proof was in the pudding at that point. Yeah, because they, they were asking me because they see me on a scooter, like just selling T-shirts. I'm collecting money from people, zooming down the street, collecting money from more people. And it was kind of like, they, they asked me, they said, yo, you from Miami? And when I said I was from Philly, that was kind of like, oh, this boy from Philly, and he not with us? Oh, we need him. We got it. You know, it was almost like a basketball recruitment situation, but it was for creative <laughs> stuff. So it was crazy. Sure. It was like really crazy. It was like really, really cool. And it's so crazy. I still know these guys to this day. And they're like, mm. bro, you're, we had no clue you were this, this talented, this creative. And, and that was over 15 years ago. Yeah. More than 15 yeah. years and, ago. And at that time, you know, you mentioned going to class on crutches. There was the, 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 the awareness that basketball, there might be a, 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 a more gratifying path than basketball at that time. What, yeah. what allowed you to kind of gear or, or pivot rather and kind of read the tea leaves and say, you know what, actually, here's, here's another path for me that actually might be sustainable longer term, you know, certainly perhaps less injurious <laughs> and, and, and also you know, a little more creatively fulfilling in, in some areas. How, how did you feel confident going in? Because, you know, basketball and, and, and art kind of totally different path. Yeah. Totally two different sides of your brain. Right. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that really, really um, pushed me and I felt like for one, I'm, I'm very, um, I try to be very close to God. So whatever I kind of manifest, I pray on it. So that was like the bigger thing. And I knew everybody was going to not be on the same lines of me, with me because everybody loves basketball. They want you. They think you can make it to the NBA if you're good until they like really start traveling and seeing seven foot 14 year olds and stuff like that. I've been seeing all that stuff. I've been seeing young LeBron James on tournaments when I was eight, when I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. So I always was like, I love basketball. I'm good at it. It's showing me the camaraderie. It's showing me how to work with a team. It's showing me all these different things that I need in life. But I didn't think that I was going to like make it to the NBA. So I'm like, if I don't make it to the NBA, what am I going to do? I don't want to be that guy that's at the park. He's 26 years old. He's 27. He's 30 years old. And he's talking about high school all the time and how many championships <laughs> he won. I didn't want to be that guy because I met so many of them and I knew so many of them to the point where it was just like, I always had visions of, me being able to play basketball, but not having basketball be like my thing. Like, like I always wanted to be the guy that would like pull up at the court with a Benz and play basketball, have fun, and then go on to my life. And then it's like, I'll see you guys next Saturday. You know what I mean? So I always like had these visions of like finding what I was really here to do, but I had no clue, honestly, you know? So one of the biggest things was I would always um, talk to my grandma, God rest her soul, I would always call her from from Kansas, and she she didn't want me to be in Kansas because that's way too far from Philadelphia. So she was like, "Well, you need to come home anyway. You can get you can get to a school. You go to Temple or go somewhere close to here or something like that." But I was like, "My grandma, they didn't recruit me, so it's kind of hard to just. I'm not trying to walk onto a team. That's totally different than getting recruited, right?" So sure. um, I, I asked her, and I would talk to my mom a lot too, and just like, "Yo, mom, I think I can really, you know, take this art somewhere." And she would be like, "Well." I seen you do those t-shirts. If you think you could do it, I'm behind you. You know what I mean? So I had a family that was always like, whatever you can, whatever you think you can do, you can do it. Not like one of those families where it's like, no, you got to graduate. You got to get your degree. You got to get your bachelor's. You got to get this. So that was like something that really, really helped me to like, take that leap. And if I would have mm. fell, it wouldn't have been like people trying to like kick me out the house. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, right. I, I had a, I have a really like a supportive family. And I think that helped me make the leap. Like, like easy yeah yeah and, and certainly be not be afraid to take take the risk take the leap yeah definitely definitely and i knew and i knew like the bigger the risk the bigger the reward you know what i mean i kind of always do that in life and and it was kind of like it was so many things again that was like deterring me from basketball so i had this one this so i played two guard right so i had this guy that was like one year ahead of me and his family like donated a lot of money to the college and he wasn't better than me, but they had to make, they had to let him play in front of me because they would lose those kind of like donations that his family was like giving to school. Right. So I remember talking, I remember talking to my coach and I'm like, coach, like I'm killing this guy every day in practice. Like, why is he starting in front of me? You know what I mean? And he's like, 
he took me in another room and he talked to me and like gave me the politics of it. Like, well, his father donates to um, our gym and this other thing that, you know, his family donated to. And he was like, well, I have to kind of like play him. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, so if we're here four years together, that means that like, I'm just going to be like, like sit in the bench whenever he played, like whenever he's healthy, like he's kind of like, right. No, we're going to make sure we get you in the game. And that was just, to me, I'm just like, I can't really like, nah. I, can, I can't like dim my own light and know that they're dimming my light for a guy just because his family has a lot of money and they're, he's investing into the school. So that was like another thing that was like, you know what? It made it a little bit easier to like dream big. You know what I mean? It was like, you know what? I'm kind of totally. like, I'm over there. It also sounds like then, you know, not to say writing on the wall, but it's like you, 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 you were aware. And I think that's a really key part to everything you're saying is like, you had the awareness around your own skill set, but also the timing of when to make a move. And I think that's pretty mature for, you know, uh, I'm assuming college, you know, late teens, early yeah, 20s. Like, to, yeah, I was like 17. You, I was like 17. You, you know 18. what I'm saying? It, 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 to, to have that awareness of, of, okay, hey, I understand the politics of the basketball situation I'm in. Project mm-hmm. out your thinking and then be like, all right, well, I have this other option that actually is validate it has been validated and time tested already in some different mediums and i have the support of my family it's like i mean it's it's a cool it it, it's it sounds like a really cool place to kind of have the light bulb moment and then just go all in and and another thing was one of my best friends that i grew i played high school basketball with and we played all aau basketball went to the nba so he played on the syracuse team with carmelo anthony when they won a championship in, I think, 2003, I think it was three. So he was like one of the guys that like went to the big division one school, went to the NBA. It was like, so I was around all of this stuff. So that was one of the things that I was like, oh my God, that's like, he was the one out of our pack that made it, but he wasn't the best player. He just like grew like seven inches one summer and then became like very good. Like he was like six (laughs) two. Then he, then he went to like, he was 6'2 in, in the ninth grade. Then he went by 10th grade, he was 6'6. And then he wound up being 6'10. I, I don't know how it happened. It's crazy, right? So he was the one that made it. And it's so crazy. Um, once he went to the NBA, he was one of the people that I reached out to that was like, yo, look, I'm trying to start my own thing and do this and do that. I want to have some pop-ups. I want to rent out some stores to sell my clothing, stuff like that. And he, he, he gave me 10 grand. Like, and shout out to mm-hmm. Hakeem Ward. He gave me 10 grand. I sat with him and his mom. His mom was in, in charge of all his finances and things like that. And um, I did like two big paintings for him. He had bought a nice house downtown in Philly. Um, I did two paintings for him. And he was like, five grand is for the paintings. And the other five is just for you to just do whatever you need to do. You know what I mean? And that was amazing. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was like yeah. a real, real pivotal point for me as well, where it was like, Okay, I know I can do this. I like I know I can do this because I was even trying to like get investments from people, but I didn't know how that really went, like to how to pay them back. But everybody that I ran into, like we had such a great relationship prior to me asking them for money, it was more like they wanted to see me win. You know what I mean? And like right. ten grand at right. that time was like it wasn't nothing to him. He had just signed for like a thirty five million dollar contract. It was just it was kind of crazy. So um Shout, shout out to Hakeem Skinny Work again, man. <laughs> well, and 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 it sounds like they were in, invested literally in your success from a from a genuine place, not trying to for for any other reason other than to see you succeed. And that's and kind of like what yeah. you said with with your with your family. I mean, that's that's huge. How how yeah. then does so so you you've gotten the support from your family, you've gotten the support from from friends, uh the 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 art is kind of speaking for itself what ends up leading to and i'm sure there's a a bunch of experiences and moments in between the uh the mural at the philadelphia airport oh wow okay so we're talking like <laughs> like 12 13 years later than what we just talking about right so um <laughs> i don't know it just was like me living this dream bro and it was like everybody like notices me for the dream now so i was just speaking on the beginning of it, like the literally the beginning and selling t-shirts. So this wasn't even me like working on canvas yet. That was just my whole uh, merchandise and t-shirts side of my 
side of the story. So now we're talking, I think I did that mural in 2019, like right before the pandemic. Um, it was just really a DM on Instagram. And it was like, you know, everybody in Philly knows who I am now. But it was priorly, it was from me leaving Philly, being in New York, being in Miami, being in LA and doing all these amazing things. So when I got opportunities from people in Philly or people had opportunities to like reach out to artists, they were always like, well, are you coming back? You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, I come back if it, you know, if it's something for me to come back to do because, you know, Philadelphia is a great place, but it's not as big as New York. It's not as big as Miami or LA for the art scene. You know what I mean? So I was trying to be where everything was going on. Um, so I had a DM. Uh, my wife at, my wife was like checking all my DMs and my emails because I'm just not that guy that just checks emails. I'm like, I'm just all over. I'm just like the creative guy in the business, but I don't really like, who emailed me today? You know what I'm saying? So she's yeah. on top of that. And she's like, yo, the uh, Philadelphia airport wants you to do a mural. And I'm like, really? So he was like, she was, she was like, but they're asking kind of like, you might not want to do it. They're like, well, you're, you're very big right now, but we would love for you to do this if you have time. So I was like, yo, so let me get their number. I was so excited to do it because I remember going back and forth, catching flights, not even having like, just like catching a flight, spending my last money to go somewhere to try to make some money. So the airport just has a, like a real big spot in my heart anyway. You know what I mean? Because that was the space where I was really like, like manifesting everything. Like that was the first time where I was like, I remember catching flights and like telling myself, like, I'm not flying coach anymore, but I have mm -hmm. no money. But I would, I would write this stuff down and say it to myself because I remember like when I was, I would walk on a plane, this might go off, a, off the story a little bit, but me walking on a plane and walking past the people in first class, everybody had a laptop out. Everybody would kind of like look at me like, oh, okay, like you're going to the back of the plane. I don't know. This is all in my head though. They probably didn't think anything of me, but I was like, I want to do that one day. I want to just like sit in the front with my laptop up, maybe not even working on my laptop, but I just want to have my laptop up. <laughs> Sure. And just like, and just like what had people wonder what I do. So I'm just, it's a whole lot with the airport. So back to the airport thing, right? So the airport, um, they, they reached out to me and they were like, um, we want you to do terminals, I think it's CD and Delta. Um, it actually was like 200 feet of, of a wall. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's a pretty big wall, but I'm like, that's the bigger, the better. You know what I'm saying? But I was just like, how would I do this? You know what I'm saying? Because for one, I used at that time I was using a lot of spray paint. I know that's indoors. You can't really spray paint a whole lot when it's like people working and people flying back and forth and stuff like that. So I was just figuring out like how would I do this? So um I was just working with the people. Actually, I got on the phone with them. We we secured everything. Um they let me know they didn't have a whole lot of money. They was like, this is a program where we don't have a lot of money, but we can pay for all your stuff and you know, things like that. Right. So I worked it out with them. It was cool. And, um, we got it done and it was just like, so crazy. And it's like, like, I just came home from, um, I just came home from art Basel and I didn't get to see it cause I, I fly American a lot or whatever, but, um, it's just crazy. People post it every day and they're like, yo, this is crazy. You know, I flew to Philly and I seen your work. That was so crazy. So it was just like, that was just like something that was like really like, meant something to me. You know what I mean? Like a lot of my work, a lot of this stuff means something to me, but that really had a significant situation with me because me flying from Philly to go to all these places to sleep on my friends' couches to just try to figure it out, like, and then get offered to do something like that in, in the airport years later was just like unreal. Yeah. Oh man. And, and well, and I, and I like how we, we kind of jumped there from talking about the the early t-shirt days and then have to have that experience later on and as you said to be walking through the flights and and know consciously what you wanted to manifest i mean it's it's a beautiful thing and and not to gloss over it though but also to to talk about uh you know the web3 nft shift and and stuff like mm -hmm. that when i maybe maybe you could talk a little bit about moving from t-shirts to canvas as you said and then from canvas to more more digital art like maybe walk us through those those shifts and, and and what inspired you along the way so i think what, what really inspired me along the way from t-shirts to canvas was the company that i started working for they were doing a lot of stuff in new york so it was like one fashion show that they did they had got 
all the artists, because it was like 20 different artists that worked for this t-shirt company, right? They were amazing artists, like some of the best artists I've ever seen, right? So they got each artist to do like somewhat of a canvas because we were doing like this big fashion show with Sean John, uh, Puff Daddy's uh, old clothing line in, in like 2005-ish or something like that. And um, they were hanging art along with the t-shirts that the, the models would be wearing. So they was like, everybody gets a canvas, do something crazy on it. And that was like one of the first times I really got a canvas and, and it got seen. So I was kind of like, mm. wow. So I started seeing what everybody else was doing. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. So people, make a long story short, I got super interested into canvas art because I was like, T-shirts are just T-shirts. People going to wear them twice, wash them. They might not be as good as with the color and everything like that unless you dry clean them. And I was just like, I want to be, I was just manifesting it again. I want to have my stuff hang in somebody's house. And I'm like, if it can hang in somebody's house, it's like almost forever unless like they have a fire or a flood or something crazy <laughs> happens. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. just like, if I could do that, that would be like another level. And the price point for art, I started studying art now. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, my favorite artist at that time was Salvatore Dali. You know what I mean? Then I started finding out about George Kondo, Basquiat, Warhol. And I'm like, these dudes are selling paints for millions of dollars. I'm like, I'll never sell a shirt for a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So it just mm -hmm. started like just another level just started to jump into me where it's like, okay, T-shirts was the beginning. Now, like, let's, let's, let's move on. So that happened around probably like 2004, like five-ish that I started really trying to work on canvases and things like that. Um, from canvas to digital, I'm going to say that started 2020. So that started in the pandemic. I, was, I had the opportunity to work with, um, to do two amazing projects with Topps baseball cards. So I had to start to learn how to use these digital platforms to like, express myself through these baseball cards because I'm working on patents that are six feet, seven feet, 10 feet at, the, at this time. And now I got to do something that's palm size, a baseball card. So I'm like, how do I even do this? Like, do I do a patent and they shrink it or, and I'm like the timeline, the corporate timeline was so fast where these cards were coming out every other week to the point where I couldn't create a patent for everything and then have them digitally. So, so anyway, I learned how to work on, you know, um, different digital platforms. You know what I mean? So that's why when I did the situation for um, Intel and the Evo, the Evo, e the Evo Intel situation, it was so amazing because that was like a laptop and like a, a art pad all in one. So it was just crazy. Mm. Right. So, but, but prior to that, um, I was working on different, different things like the, uh, the Wacom and um, different digital pads and stuff like that throughout the pandemic to, to create these baseball cards. So I got really, really good at it. You know what I mean? Because it was like, it was the pandemic. It was nothing else going <laughs> on. And, sure. and I had, and I had this amazing project that was like, for one, it was my first, one of my first projects that I had a residual income from. So like if I sold 10,000 cards, I got a residual from that. If I sold 27,000 cards, it was, a, it was a residual from that. So not saying the money had me way more excited, but it was the first time that I actually got to see like the real fruits of your labor when you're doing a product that's selling for $20, you know what I mean? Instead mm -hmm. of like a painting that might sell for 20,000 and then it's kind of, it's over after you sell that paint. You know what I mean? If somebody sells sure. that painting after you, I don't get anything. They might can sell it for 200 grand and I don't get anything. So it was the first time that I really like experienced a residual income, right? And learning on a digital pad which made it a lot easier. I didn't like have to paint, wait for it to dry, do different layers, none of that. It was literally like, I learned how to use this thing that was like, wow, I can literally sit here and watch YouTube and do it. Like I can just like sit on the couch and just do this. It was like crazy. So um, that's what got me into working digital. Uh, me wanting to get into the NFT space was a little bit later after the, so that was 2019 through 2020, 2021. The project was over 2021. That was Project 70. The first project was Project 2020. Um, I just kept seeing this thing, NFT, NFT, NFT. It was like the word of the year. And I'm like, what the hell is an NFT, right? So my manager, um, Oren, he's, he's, he was always into cryptocurrency because he got me to actually 
do a painting for a guy that was in the cryptocurrency in 2017, and he offered me to pay me a Bitcoin. And I'm like, can I like use that for my rent? Or can I like, <laughs> what is this, right? And he's like, yeah. no, it's something that you keep over time. It's going to go up. It's going to go up and things like that. So they they schooled me in 2017. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't too sure about it. I said, okay, I'll do this half a Bitcoin thing and you got to give me half cash. You know what I mean? So this is when Bitcoin, I think was like maybe like 8,000. The paint, yep. the paint was $16,000 at the time. So I got 8,000 cash, 8,000 in, in, in Bitcoin, which was like 1.75 of a Bitcoin at that time. And over time, I just started seeing this thing go up and go up when it was like at 70 grand. I'm like, what the hell? This thing went to like $30,000. And I'm like, the cash been going. You know what I mean? The cash like been going. The Bitcoin was still there. And I'm like, wow, this crypto thing might be like really serious. You know what I mean? So um, when I got the opportunity to do my first NFT drop on OpenSea, I really didn't understand it. You know, it was just like, how can I make what I do into the digital form and people buy it for Ethereum or whatever, you know, whatever um, currency that they, that they take. I didn't know about utility. I didn't know about the community part. I didn't know about anything that was like, all this stuff is really made up on. So it went pretty good, but the whole thing was the educational part because all of my clients were, you know, spending cash and or using credit cards to buy the things that I had. So a lot of these people didn't have um, a, a digital wallet. They didn't have anything that they could buy this stuff through. So it was like a whole educational part that had to go into me getting into the NFTs. For one, on my side, um, I had to really just get off Instagram for a while and get on Twitter and like really be inside of these Twitter spaces all day and. It was a lot. It was a lot to get to this point. So um, my my NFT that I just released, it, it did very well. It did very well. It didn't mint out, but it did very well because I grew my community. I also had utility involved. Um, prior to that, I was working with the Gift Goats and Gary V on a, on, a, on a project. So that was like what really, really, really helped me get into the Web3 space the right way was um, teaming up with Gary V and the V Frames. So shout out to Gary V and everybody on his team. Um, that was amazing. So my last project was the JP Effect. And I think it was 1,234 different uh, PFPs. And I think right now we might be at like 600 minted or something like that. But um, it was a really great experience, you know what I mean? Because I actually knew what I was doing this time. So the next mm -hmm. time that we release another NFT, it's going to be like, it's going to be like perfect. I think. Awesome, awesome. Uh, on that, on that tip of NFTs and and you know the the Intel uh, network series, how how did that col collaboration come about? So shout out to Nextel. I, I'm, shout out to Intel. I'm sorry, I don't know what I thought about the Nextel. Shout out, shout out to Intel, <laughs> and shout out to and shout out to Network. I think it was the two Network and Intel that was in my brain. Sure. And I was, yeah, I'm yeah. So, sorry about that. Um, this one, this situation was crazy because they gave me the opportunity to, to release on Networks platform, and Intel literally was a was a, uh, a company that I I just started following because I started seeing like them, um, like putting a lot of sponsor money into like all the things that I was like looking at. So they did like I, I like the sneaker shopping on Complex and things like that. So I'll, in the beginning, it was it's just like doo doo doo. It's like Intel, and I'm just like, oh wow, that's cool. I love um, Jamie Foxx, right? And Jamie Foxx is like one of their biggest sponsors, like one of the biggest people on their on their Instagram. And he does like all these commercials for him. And I'm like, damn, he's with Intel too. So it was almost a manifestation situation too, right? So I'm like, yeah. Um, a month later, my my manager calls me. He's like, yo, you uh, you ever heard of Intel, the the computer company? I'm like, yeah, I heard of Intel. They doing all this stuff with sneaker shopping and blazy blazy, right? So he was like, yeah, they want to do something with you. And I'm like, for real? I'm like, oh, that's crazy. So I'm like, what's up? So he's like, yeah, they're coming out with a new a new uh, computer that's, you know, it's art, artist friendly. It's like you can handle your business and you can turn flip it over and it turns into like a digital, a digital pad. And I'm like, oh, I need to see that. I need to see that. Right. So they mailed me one out. I started working on it. Um, it was it was like very cool. It was like one of the coolest things ever, because sometimes like I have to bring my laptop and I have to bring my iPad. And things like that previous to me working on the Intel Evo, right? So 
that's like a lot of stuff in my book bag along with other things that I got, right? So it's like I'm checking emails and then I got to go to do my art and I got to like write up like some kind of stuff I might have to do, like business stuff, right? So like the Intel yeah. Evo is like I could do everything like that. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. I love this, right? So I was already like in love with it. You know what I mean? And then they wanted to create uh, an NFT and a print. So it was a physical and a digital. And that's really what I'm about. So a lot of my uh, utilities is also going to be with like physical things because I'm uh, I'm a like traditional, well, not really a traditional artist, but I'm not a digital artist. I'm not like a hundred percent digital artist. So I have so many different things that I can offer people that would, you know, be a part of my community on the digital side. So we, you know, we've done toys, we've done merchandise, we've done all kinds of stuff, uh, prints and things that you can get physically if you're not totally like a digital person. People love things on their walls. People love things that they can show off when people come over, you know, and now we're in a new space where people are showing off their, their wallets. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, so I want to yeah. just like, I just want to feed both of those, both of those like uh, creative hungers that people have. You know what I mean? So it was perfect. It was like, we, uh, we released the digital NFT, two different uh, NFTs. And it was my, my logo, JP, the money bear. And I wanted to do it like with Evo, with, with the Evo, I seen that as like, like uh, a future, futuristic type of create creative platform. Right. So in my head, I'm like, I want to make JP like a JP 2035, like, like JP's like super digital, like with all like the mega chips inside of them with like the cool outfit on, like almost like, um, back to the future when like he was on a skateboard and he had like the Nike, he pushed the button on the Nike yeah, yeah, yeah. back. I wanted yeah. him to kind of be like that in, in this age. You know what I mean? So that's the, that was, that was the inspiration behind it. It was like, I wanted to take my, my character and my IP to the next level and just make him futuristic and um along with the print so that was the inspiration i just wanted him to be like kind of a back to future type of jp money bear that's awesome and and i love how too with with the intel pad it's like that all-in-one thing you get back at the airport you get back on a plane you, you sit with that in first class and uh it all comes full, full circle how crazy is that <laughs> and i was literally i literally was on it flying to um Flying to Art Basel, and I was on it, and, and I and I had flipped it right, and somebody was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Oh, this is the new." So I did a whole commercial for them. They didn't. They don't even know. <laughs> Intel doesn't even know that I did a whole commercial in first class for them, and it was it was so good, it was so perfect. It was like, "Oh man, my son would love that." It was like an older lady. She was like, "My son would sure. love that." I was like, "Yeah, you got to get it. It's amazing, man. It's lightweight, everything. Like it's like I did the whole commercial. I did the whole commercial. It was unreal, man. It was unreal." Dude, I love that. And and it's in part of that though is the manifestation to where not only did you manifest it, but now you're you know, you were being a spokesperson for a product that at one point in time you were like, huh, I want to be in that seat, you know, doing whatever. Now not only are you know, it's not even pretending to do work, that was work. So that's it was uh, it was work, it was really work. It was like unreal. (laughs) It's like that's why like I'll go back to like like me praying on stuff because it's like it's it's not really I have no like I have no clue what can happen in the near future. You know what I mean? So it's just like I just know it's a higher power. I know that I could have been in so many different places in my life if I didn't manifest these things or I didn't kinda like believe in God, you know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. went with the flow or just went with what would make me money at that time or whatever whatever my friends was doing. So I just I just really just like it all goes back to like me just believing in God and just like, like understanding that it's favor in this world. And it's like, when you have favor, it's like any, anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's, it's, it's the faith. And then also having that mindset that, that good things can happen, you know? And I think a lot of times people can, can focus more on, you know, what's not happening or what the, that, that sense of lack. And it sounds like from, from what you're saying, it was, there was always, Hey, I want to, not only do I want to create art, but I also want to create my destiny and, 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 and hold space to, to create what that looks like. Mm -hmm. While inspiring other people too, because I know it's not a lot of artists that look like me, especially where I'm from as well. You know what I mean? So 
I just want kids to just know that it's not all about sports. It's not all about entertainment. It's like we are really creative. And if we are able to, like, you know, have the faith and have the belief that we can do it and just try as hard as we can and and just always leave a good representation of yourself, you know what I mean? Because that's the biggest thing with me is, like, like, any interview I do, anything, anybody I meet, any client that I have, we become friends because it's like I'm not just, like, going to give you 50% of me just because it's like I'm not getting paid or something. You know what I mean? It's like right, it's right. 100, it's 110% all the way every time because these situations, you never know what they can materialize into. You know what I mean? And you don't never, you never know where people will be in the next two years, three years, four years. Like I met so many people that are like vice presidents of a company now, but they were like working in the mail room when I first met them. Mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And now they're calling me like, Yo, you think you want to do this? I just got the VP job for Puma, or I just started working for Fila, and I just started working for this company. And I'm like, yo, this is so crazy that it's like, I'm glad that I was just always a genuine person and just never like mm. looked down on people or like, you know, or I'm like, oh, I'm doing this and you're not doing this. And like, I just never was that person because I know like I, I come from the bottom. So it's kind of like, you just got to appreciate everybody, man, because that that person that you appreciate when they at the bottom could be at the top one day when you falling off and they can bring you back up. You know what I mean? So mm. I just always, um, always just took, took light into stuff like that. And I think that's like good karma too, you know? hundred percent, hundred percent on that tip, uh, coming, coming forward, uh, in the future, what can we expect from you and, and from say the digital art, but also the physical art, but you know, the, the combination of both, what, what can we be on the lookout for in the, in the coming months and, and years? Well, the years, I have no clue yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hopefully I'm healthy and I'm still around and I'm able to do my art and just, you know, things just keep going up. But um, the next couple months, actually, I told myself after Art Bears, I was going to just like try to chill and try to like just like reorganize everything and just like write down the goal list of like the things that I really want to do and the things that come, they just be icing on the cake. You know what I mean? But um Next year, we're, I'm talking to a couple of venture capitalists right now. I'm trying to raise like three to four million dollars for like a major installation that we're going to do in New York, LA, and then back at Miami for uh, Art Basel. So it's like we're trying to get like twenty thousand square feet. I'm trying to do it like it's going to be like digital, a digital platform to it. It's going to be like an art gallery in it. It's going to be a gift shop. Um, I'm trying to do like a whole like a new t- coffee table book. It's going to be like a whole lot in this one space, and it's going to be like maybe like $25 a ticket. It's going to be like a mini King Saladin Disney. You know what I mean? Where it's like you can bring mm. your family, you can bring your kids down to the grandparents and they're going to like love this space. And it's only going to be like maybe $25 and something like that. I'm trying to get it to a point where it's not going to be like super expensive and everybody could come and you can get like um, very limited merchandise, very limited uh, action figure toys that I come out with and things like that. NFTs are going to drop. It's going to, we're trying to base it around NFT NYC so that weekend. Mm-hmm. So sure. um, yeah. we already raised about, I think, like $600,000 from this one company that I can't really say the name yet, but um, they're the first to invest. So now we just got to keep, you know, I got to just keep doing what I do and, uh, and and spark the interest into, uh, you know, different venture capitalists and stuff like that so they can invest in this big idea, this big dream that I got. Um, other than that, uh, I'm working with Netflix right now. We just did a, a cool, a cool installation at uh, Sneaker Palace for the merchandise and the marketing of the movie. So it's called You People, and it's a, it's, it's like one of the funniest movies ever, right? So um, one of my collectors is Kenya Barris. He's the director of the movie. He directed, um, wrote, and directed a whole bunch of other movies, but more familiar to everybody would probably be the show Blackish, Bronish. Yep. Um, that was on ABC, I think ABC, I think it was on. I'm not sure. But um, he became a collector of mine like around like 2018. And me and him became like like super cool, good friends, right? So he gave me the opportunity to be a part of the movie. So my art's in the movie. Uh, it's starring Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill, uh, Laura London, Nia Long, a few other big, big blockbuster people too. So it, it's like cool, right? So it's like, um, it's based on culture. It's based on um, a Jewish a Jewish guy falling in love with a black girl and their families like button heads 
with religion and just like what they think is the right way to live life. It's just like, yo, it's funny as hell, right? And um, they put my art in a lot of the different scenes inside of the houses and things like that. I did the, the cover art for the movie and I worked with a couple of uh, amazing creators to do the merchandise for the movie as well. Mm. So that I think that releases in January 27th. So they're just th- starting the marketing right now. Um, that's going to be, that's, that's the first thing that that's on my list for next year. Um, but other than that, man, I don't know. I just want to just really like just travel a little bit and just like see different things. Cause I've been working my butt off, yo, for like the last like eight years, like literally like no chill, no vacation. I got, I got two uh, little kids now. So my daughter's three, my son's five. Um, I just want to try to enjoy this time a little bit because I know like snap of a finger, they're going to be 10 and 12 and they're not going to want to <laughs> hang right. around. They're not going to want to hang around me no more. So, uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to enjoy this moment, man. It's time right now. So I don't know. I'm just want I just want to start off with writing a goal list and, and mm. just trying to like manifest some new, some new dreams and some new ideas and just see what this, see where they take me. Well, uh, and if it's any indication on the previous trajectory of your ability to read read the the signs from the universe you know set, set set some goals set some intentions and then go get them i mean it's it, again the 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 path uh has been well uh proven that 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 can be so uh, yeah god is good god is good man. yeah 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 man it's unreal man and it's like i thank you guys for having me on your platform um it was a great Appreciate interview, you coming up. Hopefully I painted a, a good picture of my journey somewhat. I, I think you did a great job. King Saladin, appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on your platform, man. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lights, Camera, Crypto, a podcast produced by Matt Solon and Decentral Media. Music by Brian Duncan and Kareem Himes.